this is actually, we only have three more weeks. Today and then two more weeks, I cannot believe it. It's been such a great semester, such a great year. I fully intended us to play with Legos today, but we're not going to play with Legos because I want it to be a meaningful exercise and not just to play with Legos for the sake of, you know, saying we're being creative. But, so we might do it next week. Um, we have been on a journey of, I don't have a pocket this time, of um, talking about creativity, at least for the last semester, in different capacities. I love that we started out with a song, Thanking God, and um, I was kind of tapping into something that Brittany was tapping into when she spoke after it or during that song, is that remember that the emotional signature of gratitude, when we are expressing gratitude, when we are expressing things, that the emotional signature of gratitude carries within it the ability to begin to feel and experience that thing we're thanking him for. So remember, it's that even our body, God designed our bodies to be um, intricately, intricately connected in such a way that when we are expressing thankfulness and gratitude, our body and our brain thinks it is already experiencing that thing. And that's really powerful and really important for us to remember. And hang on while I just stick these things in my uh, yoga pink. Anyway, God is good. He started speaking to me about what we're going to do today. Today I want to talk about thinking is creating. And, uh, oh, that's right. I got sidetracked by my, this. Brittany was talking about, um, that I talked about on Sunday night, resurrecting dead things. And, oh, thanks y'all for praying for my dad. I, right when I left here, I flew to Dallas last week and went and took care of my father who got suddenly sick. And he's doing a little bit better. We're still running more tests to see what's going on. But um, anyway, he's getting around a little bit better, able to walk a little bit better. It was pretty alarming seeing him. It's, he just literally can't get out of the chair without help. And he's a vibrant, young, young 76-year-old. Um, but so I just was taking care of him and all last week. And I came home and I was just so drained, emotionally, physically exhausted. And I was flying home on the last flight home on Thursday night. And I was like, Lord, I'm supposed to preach on Sunday. What do you want me to preach on? And I just so clearly heard him ask me the question, can dead things live? And I know the answer to that, and I know that it was a reference in Ezekiel. Remember when, when he asks, when Ezekiel has this vision, and God says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh, Lord, you know. I didn't answer it that way. I was like, yes, they can. Dead things can live. Because we have the beauty of hindsight. We get to see the New Testament picture. We know that dead things are resurrected. And so um, I believe that what's super important about that right now in our life is that there are places in our own heart, in our own dreams that we've had, in our own vision where we thought our life was going to go, disappointments that have happened, things that haven't happened yet, we know they're supposed to, things that aren't not being in our bodies are, or, or a child, or, and I just, I recognize all of that, and even maybe some really, some things that are just dead, and I know that God wants to resurrect them, and that there are things that we can do to cooperate with God and keep hope alive, keep our hope, keep our expectation, our joyful, confident expectation of good things, because we've learned so much about the pathways, and I can build a pathway straight into the goodness of God. I am learning to build a pathway that God is good, that God is faithful. I am not going on the old default that, well, these things always happen to me and nothing good ever happens to me, you know, because that was such an old pattern of my thinking. You know, well, that always happens for them, but not me. Or, well, well of course I, you know, got sick again. Or, of course I didn't get that thing that I thought I was going to get, right? Does anybody else ever? <laughs> so, you know, when you expect the same thing over and over, what are you going to get? The same thing over and over. So we're learning to do pathways. I'm going to talk about that today, but what I really want to talk about is that thinking is creating. And um, how many of you have seen the Netflix special, uh, The Creative Brain? No, not heal. Heal's good. Creative Brain. Laura. I don't want to... Laura has. You can correct me if I'm wrong. She will. I know. Um, <laughs> did you hear that? Oh, you did? Yeah, I got it back. Well, I'll explain it all for you in much more detail. Much easier. Um, one of the things I love, and it, it's absolutely true, and I've talked to you about the encounter that I had with God um, 10 years ago out at Bethel, and without going through the whole detail thing again, is um, we were soaking, we were in a time of soaking, and for two hours, and literally for half that time I got lost and just taken up 
and I was, saw myself in creation. I saw when God was creating the world, and I was under the sea, and all these sea creatures and colors, and it was just crazy encounter. And in it, he said, you were in me when I created the world, and you have that kind of creative ability in you. And I, you know, it's how we do with anything. Ten years ago, I looked at it one way. Five years ago, I looked at it a different way. Now I'm beginning to see it in so much more clarity. You know, all of us have those defining moments with God where he spoke something really clear. You know, I've got like four of them in my life. You know what I mean? Like those big things. And then God begins to add layer upon layer and nuance to it. And I'm seeing it in such a, a cool and vibrant way now. And I even think that with just my focus, but then I think even brain science itself, where it's going, I'm seeing it in such a different way. And they even say in this completely just, you know, secular, if there is such a thing as secular, show, uh, they said that creativity is the crowning glory of mankind. That creativity is the crowning glory, and that is true. That when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, and Adam became a living being, the very essence, the very DNA of creator God was in Adam, and Adam is a creative being. And you and I, different than the animals, we have this ability to hold in our minds, we have imagination. And our imagination allows us, you excited about this? And our imagination allows us to create. And so today, thinking is creating. So we are made in the image of creator God, and everyone is creative. And I'm not talking about art and painting and all that. Right. That's one little aspect. Right. I'm telling you that everyone in here is creative, powerfully, powerfully creative. And creativity is a means of unlocking hidden greatness inside of us. Um, where, did I, where, where was I? Oh, the reason I want to play the Legos is because they have discovered, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but actually, um, where did I write? scientists recently determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapsis in the brain. Unless it is done with play, mm -hmm. in which case it takes between 10 to 20 repetitions. Wow. Is that crazy? So we try to learn and we learn and we learn, but when we're playing, we're freeing up brain space to be able to see things. And I'm, this is, so this is, I'm saying the end of the message and then I'm going to come back to the beginning of the message. We actually can look at it from another side in a different perspective in a multidimensional approach. Okay, thank you. And be able to then come up with something because we're able to think in a whole other way. And creativity actually enables us to be able to think differently. I was just gonna say, if you wanna add a chemical signature to this statement, you just made about the 400 versus the 10 to 20. What they're discovering now is when learning, and I think about students preparing for tests, you're actually activating your fight or flight response, mm. which is why you're so stressed, and none of that material or stuff that you're trying to learn, which is why it takes 400 times, is settling in. Yes. And then in fight or flight, you only use what you need in that moment. Yes. Which is why students are always like, well, can I remember this when I get to finals? Where when you're discovering or creating Play. or playing, your brain is totally open. Your body, every yes. your body is open to yes. enjoying the experience. That's really good. It's so good. It's the same thing. It's like why positive thinking alone, say you get a scary doctor diagnosis. You know, there's cancer in your body. Okay? Fear, which is fight or flight, and cortisol goes up. It's not making it past the brainstem into the place where you're actually, I can't just sit there and say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, or I don't have cancer. I don't. That positive thinking alone is not enough to get beyond the brainstem to actually begin to experience the positive benefits, right? It's exactly what Laura's talking about. So that doesn't get down, but what happens is when we open, because we're being playful and we're being creative, we're actually in a state of being, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. We're actually in a state of being where I can receive way more information is how we grow our intelligence and remember that our brains are neuroplastic which means they have the ability to adapt they're malleable they can adapt they can change we don't have we don't have to stay in a fixed mindset we actually can have a growth mindset and so some of this is have some of this is um repeat and but repeat's good repetition's good like it's good we're kind of like going back in circles each time because when we hear it again we're like oh yeah we might hear or see something differently you know so when we're born again, we have a brand new creation. We are brand new creations. 
We have divine DNA. And in creativity, creativity is actually the most transformative power that we have available to us as humans. And in that Netflix show I told you to watch, they, and it's, it actually probably excited me more than anything's excited me in a long time. It made me like want to go and do it. But there, there's a program in Louisiana, uh, really a new program that I don't know how many years they've been doing it, in a prison in Louisiana where a, a writer, a man, his own father was killed when he was six years old and he for years was just mulling on that, was being defined by the murder of his father until he realized this wasn't helping anyone and this wasn't bringing anyone back. And he actually shifted into why did the murders happen in the first place? What's happening in the thinking of people that actually think they have no choice or no option and they, so they commit these crimes. And then in the prison system, people are defined to their very worst moment of life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're held to that mistake for the rest of their lives maybe, punishment. That's what we have with punishment. And so he's going in now and he's teaching creative writing to prisoners. And hearing some of these testimonies and seeing them, they were talking about by just tapping into the God-given creative ability that they have and practicing create, creative writing, they're getting out of themselves and putting onto paper who they really are. They're testifying that they are tapping. This one woman, she said, I never knew that I, this is who I was. I never knew that I could be transformed and be this person that I am today. Another guy said, as soon as I start writing, I can't stop. My pen, it just keeps going. It is flowing out of them because it's who they are. Tim Robbins, remember the actor who was in the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. He teaches acting classes in California in some of the prisons. And he says the same thing. He said, what if these people, they've never known the transformative power that is within them? What if they never knew? They didn't know the sparks of creative genius that they have until now when they're locked up and we get to go in there and awaken them to who they really are. This is Tim Robbins saying this. Mm -hmm. wow. So the truth is if we know this, and it's crazy with intervention that's happening today, it's like, I was just getting, I get so excited about all this stuff you know, but he was talking about, you know what? In 20 years, there's gonna be jobs that we don't even have a name for right now. We don't have language for right now because we don't know them yet because our minds haven't invented it yet. And so what I want to do is awaken and spark the creative genius within us and begin to tap into, be, begin to tap into the, at first, at least the alertness and the awakeness <coughs> to it. And I'm not talking about it from some like, you know, outside of God perspective. I'm talking about that in God, how much more should we begin to access the heavenly realm by Holy Spirit that he's given us that knows the thoughts of God and begin to communicate that to the earth and invent something that's never been invented before. Um, Romans 12 too, it says that by the renewal, our lives are transformed by the renewal of the mind. But I would say that even in talking about creativity, actually that people and cities and industries and governments can be transformed by somebody just thinking differently. Yeah. Yeah. By actually having a creative thought, by actually beginning to look at something from all different angles and all different perspectives and sides. Um, okay, Ephesians 2. I'm going to read it in the Passion. Turn to Ephesians 2. Why Ephesians? Yeah, no, it is 2. 1. Okay, and his fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religious, the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. Okay, pause. Which words am I highlighting? Earthly realm, the deeds of our self-life, we live according to natural. So what is that? Our old life, devoid of Holy Spirit, commits us and imprisons us to what? The natural realm. Time, space, dimension. Myself. Limited, right? Do you hear that? Yeah. Okay. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. 
Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So, but in Christ, but we're not bound to the earthly realm, natural space, time dimension. In Christ, we have available to us heavenly realms. In fact, we're seated in heavenly realms and we live mm-hmm. from heavenly realms. And if we were to read 1 Corinthians 2, we're not going to today because we've read it a lot of times, but that's where it talks about who knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God? Who knows the thoughts of a man except that man himself? Who knows the thoughts of God? And it says, and we have been given Holy Spirit, so we actually get to know the thoughts of God. Well, the thoughts of God, it says it's limitless. It's not limited. So we're no longer bound to this time and space dimension. We've actually ascended, and transcendent thinking means we are above all of that. And so now I get to tap into infinite array of possibility. And we're going to talk about the quantum field again in a minute. And remember the quantum, it's like an infinite array of potential and a possibility exists in the invisible realm. And faith goes into that realm and draws things that we do not see yet into this reality and we see them. That's creativity. That's invention, right? Okay, are y'all with me? Y'all look at me like, yes, that is. Okay, so um, we have the mind of Christ, so we have the ability to think with him. And I told you how, and that is exactly how Sean Bowles describes it. He actually describes it as, I I feel like I'm sharing headspace with God. I become aware that my thoughts are not my own now. They're actually way better than I could have ever thought. And they're God's thoughts. And I believe that it is in that dimension that we're meant to live. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's because we, as brain people, we continually take the easy way, the path of least resistance. And we get lazy. And it's because our brains are designed that way. It chunks information and it forms habits so that we're not exerting all of this extra energy because we need it for other things in our body. So it continually wants to think in the same old way, natural thinking, old patterns, old habits, ways my family's already done it, and it exerts more energy, more intention and focus to actually try to have a new thought and focus and stay on that, right? So that's why as our mind is being renewed, it takes intentionality, mm-hmm. it takes focus, it takes practice and discipline. Okay, I want to, I'm just going to be um, Turn to Philippians 4. Are y'all still hot? It's kind of hot. It's better now. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4. Don't be pulled, and this is a passion, verse 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. There's the gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Remember what does the gratitude do? It opens you up and makes you available to begin to have and experience that thing you were being, having gratitude for. That verse, that's what it's talking about. Verse 8. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, (laughs) praising him always. 
So much of what I thought about my whole life got hardwired in. You know, I have well-developed pathways. And so as we begin to think differently, I am literally changing the physical landscape of my brain. And as we think consciously, as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out old toxic patterns of thinking, toxic structures, and I can wire in new thought structures. This is all new, y'all know this. But remember, every regenesis is that every single morning when you wake up, I can't remember how many, but you got a lot, of brand new baby nerve cells ready to be put to use. Like when I heard that, I'm so, I don't know what it is, like I was like, okay. Every morning when I wake up, I do not want to waste those brand new baby nerve cells on the same old stinking thinking. I actually want to use those brand new baby nerve cells to create a beautiful, powerful life, right? So that's just true for us. So what am I going to do with that? And I want to access the creativity, the God-given creativity within me to create that brings blessing to everyone around me. Actually, our ability to think and to choose is the most important tool that God has given us. I grew up in such a way that with the theology that um, God is all sovereign and he determines everything. And your path and your life was predetermined and there's nothing you can do about it. And I remember even as a young child thinking, God, that just I mean I don't I have no choice. I, I, I don't get to like choose anything. Like why even try? Why even do anything? Why pray? Yeah. Right? It's such a, that is such a limiting belief. It is such a, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Confined. Confined, and the, but the theology, it's, I believe it's a deception of the enemy. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Like defeated. You know? Huh? Yeah. Like defeated. Like defeated. defeated. It's like, okay, well, we can't do anything. We won't do anything. Well, what a great plan of the powerless. enemy to trick us into believing. Yeah. Powerless, yeah. Yeah, we're powerless, and we're not. So once I got a hold of, okay, that's not true, and I'm actually co-creating and co-partnering and co-laboring with Christ to actually do something on this earth. We just read that he prepared good works and prepared paths for us to walk in, right? Okay, so turn to Proverbs 4, and I'm going to read it in the Passion. And I think that this is really, it's the wisdom of the Father. He's talking and I think that, and we're not going to read it, but if, if you did take time later, listen to the Father's instruction, he's talking about a path for him to walk on. And he's saying um, the two pathways in verse 10. He's saying, my son, if you will take the time to stop and listen to me and embrace what I see, you will live a long and happy life, full of understanding. I've taken you by the hand in wisdom's ways, pointing you to the path of integrity. He goes on talking about not receiving this one path, not going down this one path. Don't deter on the path of darkness. Stay on the path of light. So that whole little section right there, he is telling him, yes, he's talking about his actions and choosing a path, but we don't choose and, and, and behave until we have thought that way. So he's actually telling him, think on this in this way. And he goes on to say in verse 20, Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention, meaning like, wake up, wake up, to all that I have to say. Focus it, put it on the forefront of your mind. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Dis avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. So we are to pay attention, focus, fill the forefront of your mind with God's words until they begin to penetrate deep into my innermost being and it changes the way I think. It's gonna change the way I live. It says that the heart, it's the wellspring of life. Everything is flowing from this place and it is all determined by what my input is. Your brain is constantly receiving input. 
through sights, through smells, through sound, through experiences, through previous memories, our brain is receiving input. And anything that is going in is forming a belief system in a way that I live out of the output. The output is determined by the input. Colossians 3.2, remember it says, feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm. Like I needed a, an array, a smorgasbord of various stimulating input that is full of heaven's reality that will then fill my innermost being and my behavior, my thoughts, my attitudes will all flow from that. Right? Yeah. So where, think of your thoughts, which they are, as energetic impulses. And remember that everything is energy and actually a thought or an idea, and even one of the definitions of idea is invention. It's an invention of the mind. And the thoughts are energetic impulses. And wherever I direct my attention or focus my attention, energy flows. So wherever I direct and focus my attention and energy flows, I make a connection with that thing. I'm now energetically connected to where I have chosen to focus my attention. So lately, I have several circumstances in my family with different children, with a father, and different business things going on all around that are screaming, be very afraid, you know? Life is not going to work out the way you thought it was. This scenario could go this way. This one could go this way. And if you thought about this, and this one's right. And I literally can feel myself at night laying there mm -hmm. thinking of all of the scenarios and what will happen if this happens and this happens and that happens. And it's all full of innuendo, negativity, doubt, and unbelief. And I am making a connection with it. Yeah. And then I can feel it in my body. Right. Yeah. Because what I'm meditating on, that word ruminate, when you're ruminating on things, you're actually meditating on things, it's like the cow chewing its cud. Mm -hmm. You're like thinking about it, you spit it out, and you put it back in, and you, that's what we're supposed to be doing with the word. But when I'm doing that with the scary situations in my life and the negative scenarios, I am making an energy connection with it, and my body is now experiencing stress and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. My and it's at night, and your cortisol levels go up, and you can't sleep with heaven with high cortisol levels. And then you don't sleep and you're tired and the next day what happens? It's just this vicious cycle. So I have to be able to recognize that. And then that's when it's 2 Corinthians 3 that I arrest those thoughts violently. I have got to violently go after those things and bring them back into. I don't want to go the path of least resistance. It's so easy to listen to the freaking lies of the enemy and start to run down that road. And unfortunately, for many of us, that might be a path of least resistance. That's just where I've gone. So instead, I have to be able to lay there and harness the power within me of my thoughts and my directed focused attention and think in a different way. And then, because, this is where I start to sound so weird, but it's all, this is Bible. Because you make an energy connection with it, it's energetically connected, it is absolutely true that if you will begin to think on See and imagine, and we're going to do this at the end, believe and imagine a different scenario outcome that you know is on the heart of the Father, that he has planned good things for my children, that he has good things for my household, that if I begin to think in that way and believe that and see that and imagine that and even feel, what would that feel like if that happens today? Oh my gosh, that's like the most exciting, most joyful thing I've ever thought about. If I will stay there, I'm creating a new pathway a new thought structure, a new attitude, a new b behavior, and I'll begin to act like it. Yeah. And my cortisol levels will go down and I'll sleep. Did I somebody say Kelly? Yeah, can I say something? Mm -hmm. you, you and I talked about this on the phone the other day. One of the things that I think has been really important for me is that <clears throat> sometimes in order to even get to the place, some of these like fearful ruminations we know so well that it's very clear to us, like I don't, I don't want to be in that, this is where I can shift. There are other things in my life that as they come up, judgment prevents me from actually looking at it and shifting. Because I judge that. I shouldn't be fearful, I shouldn't be thinking that. That connects with shame. And that the energy connection with judgment and shame prevents me from even being able to disconnect from the negativity, from the fear, and then connect with truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that disconnection is important. 
And I think that when we give ourselves permission to even look at stuff like, wow, I'm actually really, yeah. Um, be compassionate with yourself, be kind to yourself, and be able to hold it up and say, wow, I'm really fearful. It's okay to admit that we're really fearful. I don't know about you, but I've judged myself for so long, like I shouldn't be that, I shouldn't be this, why am I doing this? That you're able to hold it up, disconnect from the judgment, disconnect it, disconnect from the shame, and then connect to what's true, yep. to the grace and the freedom in the in, in the life that's actually in the new, in the new thing. Yeah, and we're going to actually kind of do a little bit of that at the end, what that looks like, and, and imagining and, and letting go of judgments at the end, if I get there, because I just realized, man, I wrote a lot this morning, and I didn't think I had much, and Kelly, I let me just lot. throw, can I throw yeah. one more thing in there, that, uh, kind of <coughs> piggybacking off of Anne-Marie, and something you said earlier about input determines output. I'd say there's a step in there, and the step is what you're describing. It's the processing yeah. mm -hmm. of the input that yes. determines the output. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, even in that show, they talk about the difference between us and animals, is animals don't have anything in between the input and the output. It's the part of the brain of the input and the output is directly close and linked together. And we actually do have, I think I talked about last week, likening our brains to a computer. And so it's the seat, the central processing unit. And so it is, the, you're right, thanks for saying that. It is the processing <coughs> that we do, and that is what exactly, the ruminating and all of that. That's or, what you just described. It's what we just described, yes, exactly. Um, okay. Also, with that, the negative thought, whatever that is, the fearful thought, the scary thing happening, remember also that it's in a temporary format in the brain for 48 hours. You know, because sometimes it's like, you've done so well. Like I've, There's places in my life I've just so developed a new thought process. I don't think that way anymore. But then all of a sudden, something will come up, and I will kind of think it, and I could get into judgment or kind of, dang it, screwed up, totally built the old path. No. It's in a temporary format in the brain, and I have 48 hours to choose to tear that thing down and reject it and not receive that in and actually, no, 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 this is actually the truth. This is how I think. You remember that? Yeah. Okay. And then also, remember the placebo effect. And what I love about the, the placebo effect is that, remember that um, believing, what you believe shifts your biology. What you actually believe changes you physiologically and psychologically and the and so on that remember i talked about there was a study i don't remember how people were in it 200 people were in it and they were on uh, 100 people were given the drug and 100 people were given the placebo and in this one particular study and there's many of them more than 75 people uh were healed on the drug but the interesting thing was that up to 75 people on the placebo were also healed because they believed that they were taking the drug. But the astounding part was that when they studied their bodies and the chemicals that were taking place is that their body began to make the exact chemical compound necessary to bring the healing they needed. The exact chemical compound that was in the drug because they believed they were receiving that chemical. So what we believe shifts everything. It affects your health. So negative belief, remember, does the same. And I don't have time to get into that today, but y'all know that, and we can we can listen to the past things. But remember that people that were given a wrong diagnosis, I told the case of this one man, he to was told, he was older, he was told that he had cancer and he only had a few months to live. So he literally just began living as if he was going to die any day and changed everything and planned everything and planned to die, and he died. And when they did the autopsy, they found they were absolutely wrong. They were reading a report of another person, not him, and he did not have cancer. But he believed he did, and he was going to... So I'm just saying, so it works in the positive, and it works in the negative. So what I think and believe has a profound effect on my physical health. Um, okay. So mind over matter. As we think and imagine... We change the structure and the, and the function of our brains. We don't have to be, we are not a product of the environment around us. We are what we choose to do with it and how we respond. So example is our brains, they need stimulus. Our, to be a creative being, to be inspired. 
we need to be stimulated by a host of sights and sounds and experiences and so maybe different cultures and different foods and different art exhibits and different architecture and I have opportunities to travel and I have opportunities to try new things and all of that is inspirational and it caused my imagination to grow. The problem with kids in the inner city is not that they have a lack of resources, it's that they have a lack of the opportunity to imagine and dream. When you live in a confined environment and you live with limited resources, limited opportunity, and limited experiences, and you don't even know that they're out there, you don't even search for them. And I've told the story in here where my brother, who has an inner city ministry in Dallas, um, fostered and adopted two kids from the inner city that came out of a home where the mom was um, a heroin addict and the father was in prison. And they brought them into their home. And uh, two boys, both very smart, one way smarter than the other, but one chose to take the opportunity given to him and begin to try new things. But before he could, my brother one day said, hey, we might want to start saving up your money from your job. I think he was working at McDonald's. You might want to start saving up your money from your job so you could buy a car. And he's like, well, why would I need a car? And he's like, well, you know, first of all, to go to your job. He's like, well, I could take the bus. He's like, yeah, but maybe one day you might decide you want to go see the beach. You've never seen the beach. You might want to go see the beach. He couldn't think that far. And he didn't, there's no even vision of what that would be like. We took them with us to go skiing one year. We went to Crested Butte, Colorado, and we took them with us skiing. And they were so overstimulated and overwhelmed by their environment, they did not leave the house for two days. I mean, literally, they were shut down. They had, they were, you could see them. It was like an emotional trauma and shock to their system. And they put on their headphones, and they literally went downstairs and played like video games and listened to music for two days. Until one of them was brave enough to, you know what, I'm going to try this skiing thing. And it was hilarious, and he's awesome. He's like, I'm going to do it. And he was just falling all the way down the mountain. But do you know that that kid is now working at a bank in Dallas? And the other one, who was far more talented, a very gifted athlete, very smart, got a scholarship to go to Texas Tech. He actually got there and just chose to say, this is all too hard. I'm not doing it. And he's like living back at home with his mom. It's such a picture of me to what the opportunity that we have within us, the way that God has made us, but it takes us getting outside of the norm and the familiar and deciding to do something hard, deciding to think differently. Um, Okay, the imagination, I looked up the definition, I know what it is, but I wanted to see the exact definition. The imagination is the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never wholly perceived in reality. It's creative ability, it's the thinking or active mind. So it happens, the prefrontal cortex of the brain is actually a wellspring of imagination. It's like we have a movie screen on the front of our brain. And it actually, whatever doesn't exist yet, it actually is able to unhook. Remember when I read you about that, the definition it was talking about natural thinking and all of that, and then it can like think of heavenly thinking? The very definition of imagination and operating on the prefrontal cortex of our brain, the reason it can happen is it unhooks us from space and time and allows us to begin to dream, envision something else that doesn't exist yet. Okay? So because God created it that way, God created this prefrontal cortex of our brain to imagine we can begin to manipulate that image or imagination for a desired outtake, out, effect, outcome. outcome, outcome, thank you. They interviewed this architect, and he is actually right now designing the second two World Trade Center. He was really fascinating. He was very young, but he was talking about a building. He said, we take it for granted, and we look at a building like the Empire State Building, and we know it as, we recognize it as the Empire State Building. But at one time, that Empire State Building was not there. And so someone had to imagine that building, build it, and now we have it in our world and we know it. But it it took creativity to imagine and build something that had never existed before. So that's what we're doing. It's like we're talking about something. Calling things that are not as though they were is harnessing the creativity, your creative ability, and your God-given imagination, 
and dreaming it into existence. It's like now, and, and they were talking, no, they were, it was a different something I was reading, but they were talking about the fact that Bill Gates and Steve Jobs were able to imagine a future where everyone had a computer in their home, where it changed completely the way we work, the way we play, everything that we do. The fact that now our cell phones, there's mine, well, now it's big again because I've decided to go up with the bigger one. But, but the fact that everything can be brought down into the littlest, tiniest thing is crazy. When I took a computer class, and it was like MS-DOS. I remember like yeah. MS-DOS. We had a floppy disk. And it was like, and it was cutting edge. I think I was a junior or senior in college. It was a brand new class. And I'm talking this computer, it was this big. It was giant. And it was like this little green flashing light. And Lord, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what I learned in that class. It seemed impossible. We'd have to take this disc out. Our video game was Pong. Do y'all know what Pong is? Literally, it was two little things and you just would watch a ball. Like now in college, animation and video games and all that, it's one of the biggest majors. It's one of the, that innovative field is where everybody is going because there's so many things yet to be imagined that are gonna be on this planet. How, so, shouldn't we be the ones doing that? Shouldn't we be getting the answers and the solutions and the creations and going out there and changing the world? Yes. But if we don't believe or know that we can, we won't. I'm telling you, when I was watching that Creative Brain show, I was getting so inspired. I was like going, okay, what can, I've got to get out there. What am I going to do? Like everything in me, Joey was laughing. He'd look over at me and I was like vibrating. I was just buzzing. I was so excited. Because I know at my core, I am a creative being. I am made to create. We are made to create. Whatever it is. So we have to be able to think outside of the box, have a different ability to look at it from different angles. Change the world. All right. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2 9. I'm going to read it in the Passion. Oh, I am going to read it. I thought I said I wasn't, but I guess I am. Mm. First Corinthians 2 9. It's talking about wisdom from God. They give it to the spiritually mature. He says, this is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things that God has in store for all his lovers. God unveils these profound realities to us by the spirit. Things that you've never been able to dream or desire or think or even imagine these are the things that God has laid up and hidden for us to discover. That we're, I looked at the word imagine in the Greek, and that word means to go up, to ascend to a higher place. That's transcendent thinking. That's not bound by earthbound thinking anymore, natural realm. That disconnects us. The imagination unhooks us from this time-space dimension, and it plugs us into the heavenly reality where Holy Spirit is, and that unlocks for us mysteries, hidden things that God wants us to discover, things that are laid up waiting for someone to dream into existence. Isn't that exciting? So what does not exist yet in your life? That should. What does not exist yet? in your family, in your marriage, in your home, in your body. Quantum physics, you know how I love quantum physics. Do you remember that what they discovered in the new model of quantum physics is that all matter is made up. They used to think it was made up of these little tiny floating like, particles, remember? But now they've discovered it's more like it's invisible. It's all matter is more of no thing than something that it's no thing materially, but it's all things potentially. Does that make Ellen's excited that I do every time I say it? <laughs> no thing materially, but all things potentially. Quantum experiments demonstrated that electrons could simultaneously exist in an infinite array of possibilities or probabilities in an invisible field of energy. 
That is the scientific definition for the quantum field. An infinite array of possibilities or probabilities. That's Hebrews 11. All things are possible. Oh, that's not Hebrews 11. I don't know where that is. All things are possible. It's a gospel. Jesus said it. With God, all things are possible. Right? The observer effect. Do you remember the observer effect? Is that when they, it's, they all exist. It's an infinite array. But what brought that little particle, the electron, into visible field of being able to see it was when someone observed it. Focused attention. Expectation. Faith, right? So what new thing, it's like in my own, like I look at my own, I've got a great example in my family when I don't, it's not something I'm saying publicly, so I'm going to give an example of it, but in one of my kids, I know something that doesn't exist that will. That thing that's a heart's cry of mine and a heart's cry of theirs does not exist yet in this realm, but it is going to. Yeah. Whether I see it today or tomorrow or next year, I refuse to listen to the taunts and lies and intimidations of the enemy that it will never exist, that it's impossible, because that's not true. Because all things are possible. It exists out there in an infinite array of possibilities and potential, and that's just quantum physics devoid of God. I'm talking about quantum physics made by God. He's the infinite possibilities and probability. He is the one that's given promises to our heart. And if I keep that in the forefront of my mind and I'm dreaming and I'm imagining and I'm feeling what that's going to be like when that happens. Yeah. Man, I can feel it so strongly. When I can feel what that's going to feel like is actually when we begin to experience those very things that God has created for us. Yes. The, the, it's, um, so quantum experiments demonstrate electrons. So an electron is a particle, a subatomic particle. It could exist simultaneously in an infinite array of possibilities or probabilities in an invisible field of energy. Okay. If y'all haven't been here for any of this before, you're going, what is she talking about? I think that there is, I think the teaching is called Believing Shifts Biology. I think there's one online that's Believing Shifts Biology. So let's look at Hebrews 11, just in light of that, what I'm saying. I'm going to read it in the Passion. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Isn't that awesome? That is just a quantum physics definition. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. And it goes on and it tells of all these great people of the faith. And then if we got down to verse 33, I love this verse because it's so demonstrative. It says, through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. (laughs) Their faith, they observed it. They saw what God had promised them. It didn't exist yet. It, It existed in an infinite array of possibilities and probabilities. Their faith fastened onto that thing that was no thing yet. And it pulled it into this reality until it was something. Yes. What is it that your faith is going after? What are you fastening your faith onto? What promises do you have? What dreams in your heart? What have you imagined? Do you allow yourself just to imagine and dream with God? I used to not know that that was God. And because I was told to be scared of that, you know, don't, don't go there. Now I realize God gave me this imagination Do you allow yourself to daydream? And when you're daydreaming and you see yourself doing things that seem crazy and impossible, but yet maybe that really is God giving you a prophetic vision of your future, that's what you're going to do. Now I've decided to go, that's God, and I'm partnering with him, and I believe that that can happen and will. If you can imagine a future event in your life based on one of your personal desires or a vision for your life, 
or the promises of God, that reality already exists as a possibility in the quantum field, just waiting to be observed by you, waiting for you to get faith for. So, because we're spiritual beings, because we are recreated, we have a brand new nature, because the creator himself lives in us and is wanting and desiring to create, when we think, just your thinking, a thought, creativity is taking place. And so, I read you, the, I said the verse, it's Colossians 3.2, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. You have to be able to think, dream, imagine, and invent outside of and beyond the bounds of time and space dimension. Okay, so when we are, now I can't remember, we talked about it, the input and output. Because God has given us the ability, we, we switch back and forth between the networks and our brain. When we're imagining, when we're creating, it's going back and forth between the forefront prefrontal cortex and the back so the conscious part and the non-conscious part we have the ability to switch back and forth between those two that's how we're creative that's how we imagine um and do you remember and that's i think that's why i had those pages i was like why did i bring these pages i know why it's because and i think i said at the beginning once we have thought one thing over and over and over again in the conscious part of our thinking it becomes a habit, and it goes back into the non-conscious. We don't have to think about it anymore. Brushing my teeth, driving to the store, driving the kids to school, you literally can do it without having one thought about it, right? It's not involving this anymore. It's just all, it, it's that when you begin to think a, a certain way, and it just becomes a part of you, and then you begin to feel that way, what you think and what you feel creates a state of being that you live in. If you memorize, if you rehearse, mentally rehearse victimhood, if you're a victim and you're always the victim and things always happen to you and it's always you and I'm a victim, you are literally memorizing and reminding yourself that you are a victim. It's very hard then to live outside of victimhood. Because your state of being, which is the way you think and the way you feel, you think you're a victim, and then you actually things do happen to you because you've created it, and then you feel like you're a victim. So thinking and feeling, remember this, thinking and feeling creates a state of being. When the mind and the body are in agreement, in union with each other, that's, that's your state of being. It's, it's actually called the thinking and the feeling loop. And so what do I want to say about that? Thinking of the state of being, when you, what you think, oh, I know. So, greater than the feeling. Right, so you have to be able, that's what I want to say. So you have to be able to think greater than you feel mm -hmm. to be able to change. To break that loop. Right. Which is why knowing that our minds are so powerful and so creative and we can think another thought over and over and over again to prune off that old way of thinking and feeling and develop a new one. That's creativity. That is you creating the life that you were meant to live. You are not a victim of biology. You're not. Now they know that disease, most diseases, except for a few, most diseases we flip on by lifestyle, environment, foods we eat, medicines we take, it's a switch that gets flipped. So it's, you're not a product of biology. You're not a victim of your past and all of that. We actually get to choose, make choices every day that completely change and alter the course of our life and history and for our family. So in ending, I just want to talk about really quickly some of the killers of creativity. And one thing, it's way easier to be a critic than to be a creator. And looking back, and Amory said the word later, Judgment, number one, judgment is the, the killer of creativity. Is how often did I listen to someone speaking and in my mind be criticizing? They could have said it better. I could have said it like this, you know? Or I used to like would hear a sermon and be like, well, that's not truth. I mean, you know? 
judgment and criticism kills creativity. It kills inspiration. It actually locks me down into any place of growth. So we have to get rid of the critical spirit, including yourself. The inner critic, what hinders my writing is the inner critic. Well, that's terrible. You can't do that. No. If we think we can't and everything we do is terrible, then we never will. So judgment and criticism, killers of creativity. Being told that you can't do something, that it's impossible. Now, that might be motivation for some people, because I am kind of like that. If you tell me I can't do it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll show you I can. <laughs> but if you actually do think it's impossible, then there's no opening in or bandwidth in your brain to actually try. Also, Kelly, like cultures, even though, even though the words not, might, might, might not be said you can't, a culture or a community yeah, could true. collectively be saying yeah, you true. can't. Yep. And, and cultures can kill. Yes. Yes. Creativity. Yep. Okay. Oh, here's one. So to live a creative life, this is a big one for me. To live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. If you are not afraid of failure, so that's it. So fear of failure. Yeah. If you can look at your failures as your friend and as a learning opportunity, then you actually will succeed. Remember how many times Thomas Edison, I don't remember how many it is now. How many times did he fail? Thousands. Like, who does that? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, to, to try, fail and try, fail and try. Y'all are gonna love this show. They, they just interview the coolest people who, this, there's this crazy inventor guy who's a genius. And he fails at everything. He's like, now, because he's so inspired to try new things, he said, I'm a master of nothing. Because he actually said specializing limits creativity. Because specializing focuses all of your attention on this one area, and it limits you from being able to try new things and, and explore new territory. So he's, he is like this master chef of modern cuisine. He invented a new nuclear reactor, he invented, like, it's crazy the different fields that he's in. But he's, but this other person talking about him said he, I think Steve Jobs said he's literally the smartest person on the planet, the smartest person I've ever known. Because he's created so much bandwidth in his brain because he's experiencing new things and trying new things and inventing new things. And what you feed will grow. So I can't be afraid to fail. I can't be afraid that I'm doing it wrong. And man, that stifled so much of my life. So much of my creativity, you know? The reason I didn't try out for certain things is I didn't want to fail. Or I didn't want people to feel sorry for me because she didn't make it. Or because what she did wasn't good. And so it just stops us in our tracks. And my gosh, if, you know, the little, as a little child, if we could have just been feeding it. Because little children, and we're not going to have time to get to that today. That's okay, because next week we'll do it. I'm going to talk about play, the power of play. Remember, little children, they have imaginary friends. And you cannot tell them they don't exist. And they like create and they fantasize and they play and that's all so good. And somewhere around the age of seven, that begins to get shut down. We begin to stifle at school. Oh man, there's this cool school that I'm not gonna tell y'all because y'all are all gonna go home and watch it. But there's this cool school, I don't know where it is. They only had 80 students and now they're getting more. But the, they chunked the whole thing about, you know, they're cutting the arts out of the school system. And they, there's not enough funding for it. Well, this school is doing the exact reverse and they are, they've incorporated the arts into every single subject. Awesome. So the way they're teaching math is through abstract art. So kids, like I've got one of those kids, kids that think differently and have to have like manipulative play with their hands and they think abstractly and all that. These kids, are they're brilliant. Like the way that they're seeing things and they know that it's because we don't all think linearly in the same way. And we need to experience life and learning processes creatively because play and creativity opens up new brain waves, brain pathways for more. So exciting to me. Kelly. Yeah. Last night we went to the Oh, that's your just one. Yes. I didn't know you were raising oh. your hand. <laughs> we went to the Bethel release of Bright Ones, which was only out for one night last night. And that is exactly what it was. Oh, really? And it was really interesting. They did, and it was at the Reading School of the Arts where it was filmed and all that. So yeah. but it was the whole School of the Arts thing, and these kids oh, went to this special school, and I'm not going to tell all that. 
you've got to see it whenever they re-release it, however they re-release it. But what the theme of it was they had them take their testimony and they had to showcase it at an end of the year showcase in a creative way. Mm. Sing, dance, cool. whatever. And they're kind of like, huh? Yeah. You know, and, and it was the process of them working that out and then putting it on in the show. So and, cool. and the whole voice was about creativity, finding your voice, and changing the world. So cool. It was that. amazing. I've seen a preview for it, but it I didn't was know amazing. That. Yeah. yeah, it was so fun. Well, and then they had a big dance party. Bethel's, I wanted really to go. Cool. I'm not going to go. It's in the second week of May, the Bethel School of Creativity yeah. is in May. And if you can go, you should go. <coughs> it is so good. Really, it's so good. Okay, I'm going to end with this, and we're going to start with it next week. But we have to be able to recover our ability to play and to be childlike in play. We have to be curious. We have to be fascinated. I can remember when I was in school, and you know the bell's about to ring, and I'm the kid who's looking at the clock because I can't wait to be out in recess with my friends and, like, talking in the hallway, and I'm looking at the clock. And there's always that kid that a minute before the bell rings raises their hand because they're so freaking curious and they have another question for the teacher. Like, and I'm looking at them like, are you serious? The bell's about to ring. You're going to ask another question? Because somewhere I just wasn't, maybe then, now I'd probably be that person. I wasn't curious. I wasn't trying to learn more stuff. I thought I was dumb. I thought I had a limited ability and capacity, so I just stopped that. We have to be curious. We have to be, like, fascinated and ask questions. We need that new sights, new smells, new sounds. We have to surround ourselves with all kinds of influences. Um, so I read that statistic at the beginning. I'll read it at the end. Play, they've discovered, is so important in neurological growth and development. And I'm going to read this again, the statistic, that science, scientists have recently determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain unless it is done with play, in which case it takes between 10, 10 to 20 repetitions. Isn't that crazy? It's a brain, it's, a, it's like a brain connection. What connects our brain? The brain. So we're going to do some stuff with that next week, but I just want to end with this short little testimony. I know I've told it in here before, and now it's again, it's me discovering how when Holy Spirit speaks in one moment in time, it's so much more multifaceted than you knew. Mm. And when I was, I went out years ago, I was having terrible asthma. I had really bad asthma as a child, and I started experiencing crazy asthma about, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe? 10, 12 years ago, terrible. Like I was on a breathing machine four times a day. It was weird. <clears throat> and so I knew that the foremost authorities were at the National Jewish Hospital in Denver, but it was very, very difficult to get in, and people had to have an, a person to help you get in, and it took months or even years. Well, I just went online and put in my little, what was going on with my body, and they immediately called me, and I got in. I was like, well, that's, first I was like, that's favor. That's so sweet. Awesome. Yay. And I had to stay out there a week and do all this testing. And typically, Joey would go with me. I don't remember now why he didn't, but I went by myself. And I got in the hotel out in Denver. And in my life, I have never began to experience such fear. Like, like I was becoming convinced that the reason that they immediately like said, oh, sure, come right in, is because they knew I was really screwed. <laughs> like, they knew, oh, something's really bad with her. Like, I started thinking, I've got lung cancer. They know I have lung cancer. You know, it was just bizarre. And I was had to do these tests, some of them very uncomfortable, where they had to put me to sleep and put stuff down my nose and throat and in my stomach and just do, and I was just getting very nervous and very afraid. And one day I was driving to the hospital from where I was staying and I was feeling fear in my body and Holy Spirit literally interrupted my thought process and he said, hey, how about you and I just play games today? And I was like looking around the car going, this is weird, all right? He goes, let's just play. I was like, all right, what do you wanna play? He said, let's play the memory game. Okay, and he started reminding me of things in my past from when I was a little girl that brought joy and excitement and fun. And I remember that, and I was remembering that, and I was remembering that. And he's like, then let's play I Spy. And I'm starting to play I Spy. And then he's saying, then let's, and then he started giving me visions and memories of being at this, um, the state fair and being on the Ferris wheel and then being on the roller coaster, what now looking, and it was great. So what happened was I was rehearsing and ruminating on fear. I was experiencing fear in my body. And what does Holy Spirit do? Let's play. Mm-hmm. So I start memorizing and remembering fun, joyful, peaceful, exciting experiences that was unwiring fear and wiring in joy, mm-hmm. excitement, and peace. 
Is that not so awesome? So I didn't even think about it until today when I, when I, or last night when I was listening to that creative thing, when I was thinking about play, I was like, that is what, that's how we get to unmemorize fearful, tormenting thoughts and experiences. And Holy Spirit's like, hey, play is important. Let's just play. And with him, I got to then reconnect myself to joy and childlike faith and anticipation that everything's going to be okay. And it was. Literally, they switched my medication. I do a preventative inhaler. I'm fine. It was thousands of dollars later in one week of testing out at the National Jewish Hospital. And they, everybody's like, what did they do out there? And I'm like, they literally gave me an inhaler. <laughs> I've had inhalers before. It's so crazy. So, okay, so next week, hopefully, we are going to get to do the Legos thing and we're going to play because when we're playing, and when we're like thinking of things and being able to look at a problem or something from a different perspective, I believe God's going to open up for you all and unlock some things in us to be able to look at our situation, whatever it is, in a whole totally different way. So, any questions? That was a lot. Any questions? Of No? Okay. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your creative genius. Thank you that you have breathe the breath of life into us and that you have made us with creative ability and that we get to co-create with you, God. And I just bless every single woman in this place. I bless your spirit just to be so alert and attentive. And I bless your minds and your imagination to so be plugged into the heart of the Father that color and sight and sound and new experiences completely begin to wire you into a beautiful, expansive future. And I just declare over every single one of us that we have the creative ability within us to powerfully create for those around us, for our own selves, for our own lives, that we actually get to dare to dream with you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're even helping us to be aware of just some of the old patterns of thought and the negative thinking, Lord. And that you have made us able to stop those things in their tracks and begin to dig a new pathway. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, we just invite your searching gaze into the very depths of our being to come and search us through and through. And I thank you, Lord, that you would begin to put your finger on places and areas of our life where we get to make a change with you. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for you powerfully and beautifully wiring all of these women to be such a display of your beauty and your glory in the earth. And we just love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.